Hi, my name is Chris Jensen, and this is my life, and welcome to it. interesting month. This last week we had a big storm that passed through Sacramento and a lot of California actually. But here um, in my apartment I uh, lost electricity on Tuesday evening which meant that I did not have any heat uh, the apartment building I was in lost electricity and um, the water heater for the building was out and so I had no hot water either. It was a cold night. Uh, fortunately, some electricity was on so I, I did have some lighting in the front part of my apartment, but uh, woke up in the morning, still had no electricity in the back portion, which meant I had no heat still, but I discovered that I could warm some water on the stone part. It, uh, it was a light boil, but it was enough to make some coffee, which was nice but the whole thing persisted and uh, I got a text message and an email from the property management company that it was out of their hands it was a smud problem Sacramento Municipal Utility District who runs our electricity here in Sacramento uh, there was nothing that the property management people could do. We just had to wait it out. I went on to the SMUD um, outage page on their website and I logged in and it told me that there were no outages reported in our neighborhood. So I immediately did report one. Fortunately, well, not fortunately yet, but um, the lights went out completely at about 6.30. Uh, in my mind, I thought that means they're probably repairing them. And uh, then by about 7.30, all the lights came back on. So... Everything came back to normal. I was able to turn my heater on, warm the apartment back up, and eventually uh, we had hot water. So things are pretty much back to normal. The uh, 
wild, wild United States is beginning to calm down. I think we've got a ways to go, but it's not as um, strange as it has been for the first part of January. So let's get back on track and talk about chasing after God. So during my time with Elijah as a Sufi of the West, he began talking to me about a lot of uh, experiences that he had. And, I, you know, I, I spent some time reflecting and trying to remember exactly how this all began. And I, I can't. But uh, the title of all this is um, Rebirthing Physical Immortality. And Leonard Orr, actually it's Leonard Orr first, but because he's the guy that uh, started this whole practice of rebirthing. And then it led into this whole idea about physical immortality. I don't know how I came across it, but here's what I remember. There was a woman that somehow I got to know her, and she was a rebirther. And I'll explain what all that is in a minute. There's two basic kinds. There's the dry rebirthing and the wet rebirthing. It's exactly what it is. So wet rebirthing is done inside of a hot tub. And dry rebirthing is just doing it on, you know, the floor or on a massage table or on a bed or something. There's no water involved. So I got to know her a little bit. And she offered me a free one session of rebirthing. And it was something I'd never, you know, heard about. The idea is this, that, well, let me back up a little bit and talk about Leonard Orr. Leonard Orr was a product of the 60s. And when he was a young man, he moved to San Francisco and was living communally with some people. I don't know how he discovered it. It could be through yogic breathing techniques or what have you. But he got the idea that a lot of personal trauma was actually um, experienced during the birth process. And that by reliving the birth process, done in a very loving and comfortable fashion, those traumas could be healed. And that's the whole beginning of this. So the rebirthing um, is exactly what it was. It was going through that birth experience again. Right? It started with the breath. And what the um, person being rebirthed 
would do was start with conscious, connected breathing. It's something that's uh, it's hard to do by yourself. And that's why you needed a, a coach or a rebirther who was trained in the process. The way it works basically is very much like, um, you know, like a didgeridoo player. It's connected breathing. Uh, I think that uh, bagpipe players, it's kind of the same thing. You know, that you're always breathing, that there's no pause between the inhale and the exhale. And so when you're rebirthing, and it's all done through the mouth, so you inhale and exhale without a pause, right? That's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up. So you have the coach. And it started in hot tubs because the, uh, the unborn baby is in a uterus, which is body temperature, which is wet, right? And so the hot tub was to create a womb-like experience. And the connected breathing was to alter your consciousness so that you could in essence, access that part of your consciousness that was traumatized as an infant when you were born. What's interesting is that somewhere along the line, and I have no idea where that research is now, but they did a study on children's demeanor, their attitude, their personality, uh, after they were born for the first few months, between children that were born naturally and children that were born by C-section. And one of the things they found was that children that were born by C-section were calmer So maybe there was something to the fact that there could be some form of trauma impressed upon that, what I would say, precognitive consciousness of the newborn that persisted into the adult life and that that would influence choices or worldviews, life is difficult, or, you know, I'm having a hard time fully breathing. And that's the other thing about that conscious, connected breathing. It's very full. It's deep. And a lot of people, I would say the majority of folks running around, don't breathe deeply naturally. And that the rebirthing is supposed to open up the breath to help facilitate uh, being able to breathe deeply, naturally. Which, you know, if you're doing yogic breathing exercises, um, it's important to be able to access all of your lungs. You've got three lobes. 
And oftentimes, with most of us are what I call, and many others, uh, chest breathers that we breathe by inflating the chest area of the lungs. We lift the chest up, and that's where we're breathing. But when you get into yogic breathing, or conscious connected breathing, or singing, you learn to start breathing fully and relaxing the chest and letting your diaphragm breathe because you've got two main lobes of your lungs, but you've got a third lobe, which is lower down, which rarely gets oxygenated. So that's what's happening. And it can sometimes take many sessions before people can start taking full and deep breaths. And that if you have um, participated in being there for someone while they're being rebirthed, you can actually see when that happens that all of a sudden they start taking deeper breaths. It's like, it's like a valve opened up. So anyway... I got an opportunity to get a free session. And uh, at that point, yep, I was hooked. I was hooked. I didn't get an opportunity to do more um, sessions with her. She, um, we developed a friendship. And at one point, she asked me if I would drive her um, to this monastery by the coast for her to do a silent retreat for a week. And I did. So I dropped her off. And uh, I, really, I really didn't pay attention to it. Funnily, though, um, funnily? Is that a word? Funnily? Um, this particular monastery became part of my chasing after God many years later. And I had actually... Um, forgotten where it was. I remember taking her there, but I couldn't remember uh, the name of it. I couldn't remember where it was located. And I had to do a bunch of research and eventually found it. But after that, I never saw her again. So, go figure. So, fortunately, Elijah had a good library. And, you know, honestly, I think he knew what I was interested in and ordered books special for me. I have no proof of that, but it sure ended up being a lot of books. The other th good resource, the other thing, yeah, yeah, um, there's a used bookstore in town called Beers Bookstore, B-E-R apostrophe S, Beers. And they had a great section on on the occult, yoga, Eastern spirituality, um, real cool stuff. New Age, you know, this is considered New Age. And I could find new and old books. So I found a lot of stuff. So um, this is what I've got. I've got uh, Rebirthing in the New Age by Leonard Orr and Sandra Ray. Rebirthing, The Science of Enjoying All of Your Life by Jim Leonard and Phil Lout. 
and I think they're students of Leonard Orr. Breath and Spirit, Rebirthing as a Healing Technique by Gunnel Minette, a student of Leonard Orr. And I think he was German. I forget. Anyway. Oh, no, this guy. Let's see. Rebirthing Made Easy by Colin Sisson. Mm hmm. Well, let's see. I've got uh, Celebration of Breath by Sandra Ray. I've got Conscious Breathing, Breathwork for Health, Stress Release, and Personal Mastery by Gay Hendricks, PhD. This is all based on uh, Leonard's, Leonard Orr's work. Yeah. And then lastly here, I've got Breaking the Death Habit, The Science of Everlasting Life by Leonard Orr. So I was really into it and I read up on it a lot and I understood the concept. But, you know, the, one of the great things about Sufism is that it really downplays concepts and plays up experience. And rebirthing is the kind of thing that you have to do it. I think reading about it and understanding it for me gave me an intellectual comfort and trust in the process. Um, I would try to do it by myself. There's a couple things that happens. Um, when you're breathing in a lot of oxygen, your body is not meant for a lot of oxygen oxygen by itself so if you were in a room that was just 100 percent oxygen and nothing else it would be toxic the body's not structured for that so one of the things that happens is um and i i forget the technical name for it i could look it up but i'm lazy you know i'm lazy um is that your muscles begin to contract, especially in your hands, right? And that's an Im that shows an imbalance of gases. So part of the coach is to watch for that. When that happens, then they start breathing with uh, the client, let's say, to get their breath back into balance. Uh, and that happened to me more than once as I was trying to do it by myself, which in a sense is feedback, right? And I, so I could, okay, I could sense that I'm not, I'm out of balance to stop, relax my breathing, wait, maybe try it again. Eventually, and I, and I don't know how I did this, I, maybe it was through a, you know, like a whole earth expo or an ad in a magazine, but uh, I was able to get in touch with a woman uh, here in the greater Sacramento area who was a rebirther and had a hot tub. Now, the minimum uh, 
suggested amount of sessions is 10. 10 sessions get you through the basics, right? Then it's suggested to maintain that um, by doing 10 connected breaths a day um, and just a bunch of other stuff, affirmations and all kinds of things. Um, so I connect, uh, I contacted her and set up the sessions and got into the hot tub. I, I honestly have to say that I don't remember a whole lot. I, I don't know whether that's because um, I actually triggered some precognitive experiences. I don't know. Could be. You know, I've often wondered how uh, infants process information when they don't have language. I don't know whether it's through images or 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 what, but uh, there's no, as far as I know, there's no framework upon which to ha to uh, to hang cognition. So that's always intrigued me, and so maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But after the 10 sessions, um, you know, that was pretty much it. But I continued doing it on my own. Uh, I remember one time that I was in my apartment and I, I lay down on the floor. And uh, I started the conscious connected breathing. And I'm all there by myself, which is probably not the brightest thing for me to do. And I'm moving right along and I'm, I'm moving through the body experiences that I'd grown familiar to experience as my body is accommodating the breath and the raised oxygen level. Then all of a sudden, everything was like white. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. It was like a whiteout. And I don't know how long it lasted. Um, and I don't have any memories of just that experience of white. Now, it could be, I could say it was like a blinding light. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't remember it. That, I remember it's white. Just this bright whiteness. Like being in a, in a white room bright you couldn't see the floor the ceiling the walls just white yeah that's what it was so anyway i came out of that and um i thought well that was weird right i remember sharing that experience with someone someone down the road and uh you know they were concerned that maybe that indicated brain damage of some sort i don't know I don't think so, but I, I get it. I get it. I know. I remember reading a story. Um, there was this guy that was a, uh, a follower of uh, Richard Albert, Dr. Richard Albert in the LSD movement who became Ram Dass. You know, he got it from a, a letter from this kid, I think it was. And um, basically it said that, he, this kid was going to find a cave 
like up in the Himalayas, and start practicing yogic breathing while on LSD. And uh, Richard Alpert, Ram Dass, never heard from this kid again. Um, I think they found his body. So, you know, one of the teachings in Kundalini Yoga is that when a practitioner is able to raise the Kundalini all the way up through the various chakras, they have the opportunity to actually um, expand it up out through their Kran chakra and achieve oneness with God and leave the body behind. So who knows? Who did the kid die because like maybe an aneurysm or who knows? I don't know. In any event, there's that. I haven't really tried uh, extensive conscious connected breathing since then. Um, occasionally I'll do conscious connected breathing, like I'll do the 10 breaths, but, uh, but nothing that could throw me into an altered state of consciousness. Very interesting. Very interesting. So the other thing that came across my desk was physical immortality. Leonard Orr somehow came in contact with this guy in India, a guru, uh, called himself Babaji. The story of Babaji, basically, in a nutshell, is that uh, one day this young man uh, comes walking out of a cave to a village saying that he is an immortal master, that he has been living in the astral plane or whatever, wherever they are, and that he has created a body for himself. And this is who he is, and this was his property when he was in a body before. And here he is. So anyway, an ashram grew up around him up in the mountains of the Himalayas. And um, Leonard Orr uh, somehow came in contact with him. And he gave Leonard Orr some practices to achieve physical immortality. All right. Um, I think Leonard Orr passed away. I... I I'll have to go online. I'll check. And maybe then I'll add a PS to this episode. But um, I think the precision that I think that all the practitioners of what it would take to achieve physical immortality have passed away. But it was interesting. And I thought to myself, at the time, they were, I don't know if Leonard was still alive, I think so, but I thought to myself, why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, one of the things was rebirthing. That was very, very important uh, because not only did it heal birth trauma, it also began to address something called the death urge. Um, so, Rebirthing was a component, but also 
a devotion to Shiva, which was a Hindu deity. It also entailed the ritual shaving of one's head. Part of that, I think, was that there were uh, pressure points, sensitive areas on the scalp that the shaving process stimulated that would facilitate longevity. And so I went to the barber and uh, got my head shaved, right? Now, it wasn't a ritual head shaving to honor the god Shiva. I didn't do all that stuff. Um, there's a chant that went along with it. Which, but, you know, I got home, I looked in the mirror, and I thought, oh, wow, I look like a Buddhist monk. So I laughed out loud. Uh, but it began a fascination with physical immortality. And I would do the chant, and I would do the rebirthing, and uh, began to take a look at, did I have a death urge? You know, that almost a desire to die that functions on an unconscious level. Because Leonard Orr was trying to teach that if we could um, overcome the death urge, then we had no reason to die. And if we were doing these other things that provided longevity to the body, then we could achieve physical immortality. Now, I mean, it's true that if your head is shaved, you look younger than you really are. People thought I was like 20 years younger than I actually was. And I think that's only because, you know, there's no visual markers. Uh, I don't have a lot of wrinkles shaved my head, didn't have a beard, you know, so there was no gray hair to speak of. No one knew how old I was. And I did that for years, you know, for years. Uh, so did I extend the length of my life? No, I don't think so. But, you know, it was a fun adventure. I liked it a lot. I kind of got into uh, Leonard Orr a little bit more. He had a whole idea about government and how it would function best, how to structure it so it would be more communal, right? So it would basically go like this. I'll just share the nutshell. Uh, you've got local neighborhood committees, right? that would make decisions on the neighborhood level. Then one person from that committee would go to a larger committee, larger portion of the city or whatever, that would make decisions. And then one person would go to an even larger committee, so it just grew that way, right? Till eventually you've got a large body that truly represents local thinking. Anyway, that's eh, not going to happen. Not in our political lifetime. It's pretty solid. So, uh, I went on my way, doing my thing, 
still shaving my head, uh, practicing Sufism, practicing these connected, conscious connected breathings, right? And uh, I remember one day meeting a fella uh, at Java City, which was a coffee shop that was uh, downtown. Oh, shoot. What was the address? It was like 26th, 27th, and, and K. I think it was K. Anyway, it was a brick building. And uh, I met a guy there who... Uh, he looked like an old hippie. That's how I had to characterize him. He walked with a cane. Uh, come to find out that his one of his feet had been amputated, and he had a prosthetic. I think it was a wooden prosthetic foot, and he needed a cane to just keep his balance. He also had a dragon tattooed right at the corner of I. Think, Let's see. It'd be his left eye. And, you know, we talked. We talked about a lot of things. And um, then one day he was gone. But as I began to try to get further into the teachings of Leonard Orr, I discovered that he had formed a community in Northern California. It was called consciousness community or something like that uh, in Sierraville there are some hot springs there and so he put together a community uh, and they would create these little uh, bathtub hot tub things for people to practice their rebirthing and uh, so I decided hey that'd be kind of cool to check out so I got in my car and figured out where Sierraville was, drove up there. And uh, they were long gone. It hadn't been conscious community for quite some time. And so there were there was a family that had, I think, purchased it and was running it. But there weren't a lot of people there. They were basically in a rebuilding mode. Uh, but many of the original facilities, little cabins, um, the hot tubs were still there. And so that was very, very interesting. Um, so as I'm, I'm hanging out there, and they've got an area for people to camp, um, lo and behold, I think maybe I was having breakfast or something, in walks this guy with his cane, a tattoo, limping, the whole bit. And he's living there in one of the cabins. And uh, that was amazing to me. What a connection, huh? Small world. So I would go up there probably, I don't know, twice a month. I'd leave Friday night, come back Saturday, spend the weekend up there. I remember one time I was walking around and I found a plaque that had been left by that community about a, a tree like a wishing tree. And uh, I found a path. It was a little bit overgrown, kind of hard to follow. But I followed this path up around and behind a mountain. Up, and sure enough, here's this big tree. Probably an oak, maybe? An oak? I don't know. And on it, there were 
um, things that were tied to it, things hung off of it. People had written prayers. Uh, just, it was an amazing site that probably no one had been to for quite some time. And uh, I felt really um, not honored, but just I was in a special place and that it was validation to me that what I was doing was in line with where I was heading. One of those things that it's like a like a landmark or a uh, a street sign saying go this way, and that felt good. Uh, so came back down the mountain, and it wasn't long after that that I was in a car accident, and uh, I start I. Uh, I stopped making my trips up to the mountains. I didn't have a car. And as it turned out, I wouldn't have a license, driver's license. And so, uh, yeah, my traveling days were done. And I still don't have a car, although I do have a driver's license now. But I haven't, haven't owned a car since, uh, I think, 2000, year 2000. So it's been over 20 years and I'm used to it it's okay and at this point since I have a driver's license if I need to go anywhere I can always rent a car but I digress so, so that was a big part of that time period you know I, I, I've got these books which I haven't looked at in a long time little uh, side note here Recently, I uh, got an email from someone um, who had stumbled onto my podcast by accident. Right, accident. Do accidents really happen? I don't. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and was interested in some books I had in a particular subject based on what I had been talking about, and. I don't know why I've hung on to all these books, but uh, I no longer really need them or use them. So at the end of this podcast, you'll get my email address. And if you're interested, you know, send me an email. Um, I'll probably ask you a few questions. Um, and... Uh, you know, especially as I'm as I'm getting older, it's time to let go of things. You know, a lot of my books came from used bookstores, which means that, you know, someone else was getting rid of books, and I just happened to find it. It was there for me. You know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And for me, the teacher were the books. And I really believe that even though... Uh, Reading the recipe for baking a cake is not the same as baking a cake. If you don't know the recipe, baking a cake might be a little more difficult. So there's value in books. There's value in reading about these things, not just experiencing them. And I think that the 
awareness that reading brings actually helps um, one focus one's consciousness in doing the various practices. So, did I cover everything I wanted to today? I think so. I think so. You know, as I began to explore um, early Christianity, I discovered that breathing was also important. Um, so, throughout all that I have done, one of the things that really ties them all together is a focus on the breath and on breathing, on conscious breathing. So, it stuck with me. So, there you go. Rebirthing. Leonard Orr, Rebirthing physical immortality. I had another book on physical immortality. I must have loaned it to somebody because I can't find it. Or it's in a box. Eventually I've got some boxes that I haven't looked at in a while. Maybe it's in there. So, in any event. Um, yeah, the journey continues. The journey continues. So, I will... Uh, you know, spend some time thinking about what's next. So I'm going to sign off for now. I'm Chris Jensen. Talk to you soon. Welcome to it is produced by me, Chris Jensen. My technical consultant is David Patterson of Drowning Man Productions. David, along with three others, have a podcast called Wasting All the Time, and they provide improvisational comedy uh, for us to listen to. I would encourage you to check them out. The art for My Life and Welcome to It uh, is drawn by Dave Edwards. And if you're interested in any of other, uh, Dave's other art, um, you can find him on Instagram at EvilDaveTM. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts can be found. And I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can email me at MLAWTI101 at gmail.com. The music for Chasing After God, which is part of my life and welcome to it, is Skywards by Will Van de Cromert. Well, that's all for now. I look forward to spending some time with you again next Saturday. And until then, be safe, be well, and God bless. <laughs>